It's Optimism Vaccine for our Thanksgiving extravaganza. Adam Myros, what are you thankful for? Uh, you know, I'm just thankful that our long national nightmare is over and, and we've got sanity in the White House. <laughs> yeah, it's everything's going to be better now. Now that we got the, the CEO from Quibi... Uh, who who like bankrupted her company, and we've got Rahm Emanuel is going to come back. Uh, or, or we're going to have all kinds of great people just just running the show, baby. Back to the way things used to be. <laughs> just shady, horrible people behind the scenes who aren't loud. I guess they're they're more polite, so everything's good yeah, now. That's right. Please and thank you when you put your boot on my neck, buddy boy. <laughs> that's what I have to say. <laughs> Uh, and you know what? We got someone else joining us, and I've got one thing to say to him. Hey, baby. Right before I stick my big sausage in you, what do they call you? <laughs> that ain't cranberry sauce, Steve. <laughs> How's it going, Jake? Doing really well. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great because that's one of my favorite line reads of all time. <laughs> Just really <laughs> emphasizing the twang on that sausage. Right before I stick my big sausage in you. <laughs> oh, good times i'm really excited for yeah. this episode yeah i i am too and I'm, I'm glad that like you know sometimes you you watch movies and they kind of reaffirm who you are as a person and i mean that scene specifically the one i just played like I, i'm finally I'm, I'm just glad that someone understands how i speak to women and you know i kind of feel like they're speaking my language so uh it feels good feels good uh, yeah but anyways yeah so uh <laughs> Go ahead, Myros. I was going to say, not to jump into that movie, but, but my main takeaway was uh, that, that it seemed to be specifically made for you. <laughs> like, this is the most <laughs> Steve Cuff movie I've ever fucking seen in my life. I, I don't know what that says about me as a person, but uh, I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm cool with it. I mean, you know me. Woman respecter. That's what I do. Uh, I, I've, I'm going to watch. I should have watched this movie in an RGB t-shirt. Notorious RBG. That would have that would have gone <laughs> no, an great. RGB T-shirt. It's just a fucking color <laughs> wave. Here. Yeah, that's that's what people don't understand. Feminism is a full color spectrum, uh, but that's that's a discussion for another day. Uh, well, in honor of Thanksgiving, we watched one movie that takes place during Thanksgiving and a couple of others that are sort of about eating. So why not? Right? <laughs> it's a it's bloody fucking Thanksgiving, and we watched a classic movie. One of the I think it's the actually the oldest movie on the video nasty list um, from the godfather of gore himself, but not the Italian one, Herschel Gordon Lewis. Gentlemen, we watched a little movie called Blood Feast. Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to witness some scenes from the next attraction to play this theater. This picture, truly one of the most unusual ever filmed, contains scenes which under no circumstances should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. This is my favorite kind of trailer because it's just telling people not to watch the movie and it's just a guy sitting in a chair staring at you smoking a cigarette telling you how bad of an idea it is to watch the thing you're about to watch. It's good stuff. 
Uh, that's actually only half the trailer. The other half of the trailer is the incredible soundtrack to Blood Feast, which consists entirely of this. <laughs> just Herschel Gordon Lewis working out how to play a timpani. Just. <laughs> okay, that's so this the, uh... one, then this one, and then this one. <laughs> that's the extent of the entire film's score, too. There's one scene oh, where yeah. it kind of dips into like a little organ. Like it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a few keys away from take me out to the ball game, but otherwise, yeah, it's just that one drum. Oh yeah, and it's it's like a hundred percent like him figuring out how to play instruments because even when they get into the organ part, he's just like, okay, so I started this thing up. I'm just gonna noodle around a bit, kind of figure things out, uh, you know, which I, I respect. I, I like kind of working through your process as you're making a serious movie, well, as, as serious as this one can be. Um, but that same mindset, it kind of flows over into the rest of the filmmaking too, because I don't know everything from the like the cinematography to the acting to you know everything in between. It's just like they're they're kind of figuring it out as they go. Like they block shots and then they just keep filming as they readjust to get it right instead of like stopping and resetting the shot, uh, which I think is super cool. Um, yeah. Most of the actors, when they're not fumbling over their lines, you can kind of see the confidence in their face as they realize they got it right for the first time. It's really exciting stuff. <laughs> uh, I have to just to to break the fourth wall for a quick moment. Was that trailer? Is that the audio used for the beginning of caustic content? Yeah, it is. Oh God, you just activated Siri for some reason. Oh God. Uh, oh no. Oh no. Me. Oh wait, you just told me. What? That's right. <laughs> I'm ahead of Siri. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, in, in addition to Siri's knowledge of the situation, that is correct. A uh, little Optimism Vaccine trivia. We we ripped some of the uh, dialogue from the trailer for Blood Feast. And by we, I mean me, uh, to make the intro for Cost of Content. So there you go. You put that on the, the wiki page that we don't have. But maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to hold my breath. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Not never going to happen. Uh, I've I've already made I've, Julia Assange is, is an enemy of mine. We've, we've got bad blood between us, so we deleted immediately. Jake, wh- what the fuck is Blood Feast, anyways? Can you just kind of like give us a quick top line synopsis here? Oh my god, yes. Uh, blood Feast is about a man named uh, Fuad Ramses, classic, uh, who <laughs> is a a serial killer of sorts. Uh, he's hunting down women, and when he murders them, he usually removes a part of their body. What he's trying to do is uh, create an Egyptian feast that has not been served in over 5,000 years to uh, reincarnate the Egyptian goddess Ishtar uh, through his his murders. And uh, meanwhile, the police are investigating and he is preparing a party to unleash Ishtar. And uh, yeah, that's uh, I think that's the, the general thrust of the narrative. Fuad Ramses and uh, all the people he kills along the way. Yeah, it is pretty simple. Like it, it's it's almost respectable how economical the script is, but mostly out of necessity because at this point, Herschel Gordon Lewis was I wouldn't say he was doing anything new. Like you you can look at like the stuff that William Castle was doing around this time, and it, it's a lot of the same thing where it's kind of gimmicky and just sort of roping people into these theaters. The difference with Herschel Gordon Lewis is, I think when William Castle was making his movies. He was saying, okay, what can I do 
on the cheap that will get me the biggest audience possible. Where with Herschel Gordon-Lewis, he was going, okay, what can I do just cheaper than cheap, the cheapest humanly possible, but instead of focusing in on a broad audience, I just want to focus in on an audience. So he, he's just like, okay, so weirdos, people that want to see strange, fucked up shit, I'm going to make this like their type of movie. And I'm going to get all of them to come. So it was just a little bit more like laser focus than his contemporaries. And this is really like his first step down that path. I mean, before this, he was just kind of doing yeah. like nudie pics. Yeah. So a little bit of the old softcore. Um, <laughs> there's a great uh, interview with him on the, the arrow disc for uh, Blood Feast where he's talking about what he was doing right before he filmed Blood Feast. And he's just like, yeah, like nudie pics were awesome because we could make them in like three days. And he was talking about this one that he made in the middle of like February in Chicago. So it was super cold. And it was about this guy who liked to paint women outdoors. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, we shot it in four days. We just made these women just stand around naked for four days outside in Chicago. <laughs> and then he was saying that all he had was he had this shitty movie that he made, shot it in four days, and then he basically just like sold it on the title and the concept. And back then, they I mean, they would just pay to exhibit your movie. It didn't matter if you were with Columbia Pictures or, you know, Herschel Gordon Lewis Shitfest. It, it did make a difference. So um, he used that to his advantage and just started churning these movies out. Uh, and then, And then he sort of pivoted to these gore movies because a lot of people were making the, uh, the, the soft core nudie movies, but no one was really taking gore to the next level. Um, I mean, y I guess you, you ruffled people's feathers a little bit with psycho with Hitchcock a few years before this. Um, but other than that, like it, it just was, it was kind of taboo to show a ton of gore in a movie. So Herschel Gordon Lewis is just like, fuck it, let's go to Florida and uh, just shoot a bunch of pig entrails. Why not? And it looks hilarious, honestly, because it's just this like weird, like pastel technicolor bizarro blood. <laughs> and you just have the whole Florida-ness of the whole thing, uh, which just adds to the weirdness. I don't know, but it's 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 got a whole vibe all of its own. Like there's you're not going to see anything else like this. And it is really gory. Like it's still even today, it holds up in that sense. It's kind of undeniable. Yeah, it, the fucking HD restoration. This is like I don't know. I'm not big <laughs> I'm not big on these Blu-ray restorations for a lot of reasons sometimes, but this movie, holy shit. It 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 is meant to be viewed on a fucking tube TV. I'll tell you that because you can see yeah. all the goddamn seams of this thing. It just looks ridiculous in HD. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It, it does. It looks really yeah. All fucking the fucking ridiculous. horrible makeup and everything. It's just like oh god. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of charmed by all of that stuff. I I love oh, yeah. the the HD look and the look of it and the. The hyper real blood. Uh, I mean, yeah, obviously it's fake, but it, it it just I can't I can't help but enjoy it. It just looks uh, it's it's it looks good. It looks like finger paint. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it totally. Does. I don't. I'm, I'm with Jake on this one. I'm with Jake. It, like it does. It looks fucking goofy as shit. But I mean, it, it's just there's something really charming about it. I don't, I don't know what it is, but 
I, it's very charming. I, I yeah. don't know that I disagree. I just feel like I'd be I, I, I would be able to take it a little more uh, as intended if I were watching it in a shitty fucking low def on a tube TV VHS. I'd be like, OK, yeah, I can see what they're doing here. Yeah, this is kind of gritty. You and instead now it just looks like the most yeah. fucking arch camp nonsense you'll ever see in your life. Oh, no, that's that's just it. That's just it. Like it, it almost has. Like if John Waters made a gore movie, that's kind of the level that we're at with with just the campiness of the whole thing and and how yeah. silly it is now. And I'm sure it was taken much more seriously back in you know 1963 or whatever. But as it stands, it just it works so well as camp. And because the actors are they're all amateurs, uh, there's especially the scenes where they're inside of the store because uh, you know our our main murderer man. He, he owns like a catering business <laughs> and there's this whole interaction where this woman comes in. She's like, I would like to have a party catered for my daughter. And he's just like, oh, we'll have a fucking party. All right. And I'm going to cater the best food. It's going to be a feast. Oh, a feast sounds lovely. What kind of feast would it be? Oh, the kind we haven't had in 5,000 years. <laughs> and she's like, oh, that sounds great. It's like they, they, they both play it so straight. It's just so goddamn ridiculous. And then that sort of contrasted, too, with the, the, the Keystone cops that are trying to bungle the whole operation or, you know, figure it out. They, end up, they keep bungling it. And it's just they're trying to play hard boil, but they come off as complete campy assholes. It's it's really great stuff. I don't know. It's on top of that. It's 67 minutes long. There you go. There's so your selling point. Yeah. It's basically <laughs> it's wall to wall killing. It's ridiculous camp. And it's, uh, you know, uh, charming blood effects while this plays over and over again. <laughs> what else can you ask for? This is Herschel Gordon Lewis is learning to play the timpani and you get to experience that <laughs> alongside him. How great is that? It's what I, everybody wants. I like The script of this is just kind of fucking ridiculous at every turn because uh, I don't know. They keep selling it as this like, oh, we're going to have a traditional egyptian feast in fucking 1960s yeah. america does does this fucking housewife wouldn't be like what what the fuck is that oh well no the the other part about that that fucking rules is the fact that like everybody in town is apparently taking like egyptian history classes yeah you would think it was the daughter was a college student i thought that's what they were selling it as and then this guy oh, no, next they're to just her, like oh down at the community center, they're just giving Egyptian history talks. Like, what? Yeah, they just show this talking about? fucking lecture, and then the daughter's there, and you're like, okay, this is a college class. And then next to her is just this grizzled 50-year-old man who it, it is the detective who's studying the case. And I'm like, well, yeah. is this guy supposed to be in college? It's like, no, I don't know that there is a college in the film. It's just a fucking bizarro, random lecture on Egyptian history, which... It's apparently part of a recurring series. I I, I don't yeah. know. It's madness. What the hell's the name of this book? It's like the greatest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. It's like, oh, God, what is the name? Rituals. Um, <laughs> this is going to drive me nuts. I need to Google it right I now. I wish sorry. I wrote it down. It's like ancient rituals of the weird. <laughs> it definitely has the word weird in it, and it's supposed to be a textbook. I'm like, come on. 
Ancient weird religious rights. <laughs> Ancient weird religious rights. There you go. I also Re- found this, and uh, you, you're gonna you're gonna like where I found it because it's very appropriate for this movie. Uh, I found an Angel Fire website from 2001. That's like a Blood Feast fan website, <laughs> <laughs> which is great, man. When you can't afford GeoCities, you get your Angel Fire. Am I right? I wonder if there's a guest book I can sign on this thing. Oh my god. No. Unfortunately, no. This is a great one. I'm just gonna send this to you guys because this is this is some classic shit. I didn't know you like Angel Fire websites could exist anymore. And it's not I I mean I expected it to be like a custom domain that was just built in Angel Fire, but it's an angelfire.com backslash biz backslash notorious one backslash blood feast. <laughs> Oh, the other unbelievable. The other uh, aspect of the mystery that's very uh, again, I, I guess the way they solve it is equally fucking stupid. But the the detective gets told that two of the people are in a book club, so you're like, oh yeah, there's the mm-hmm. connection. They're like, ah, book club, and then they never fucking mention the book club again the entire rest of the movie. No, and, no. never. And never. they crack the case because one of the victims survives very briefly and keeps saying Etar. Uh, which I guess would make sense if if old Fuwad were were pronouncing Ishtar as Etar. It was a dialect thing, but no, no one in the movie ever says the word Etar except for this one person. And somehow the detective makes a connection to Ishtar, but I don't know why her dying words would be a, a complete botch of the word Ishtar, <laughs> which I don't believe he ever said during the course of the attack that we were showing. No, and he looks great too. Like he just looks like an accountant. He doesn't look like a murderer or anything. Just a guy in a suit stabbing people for his Egyptian feast. It's good shit. It really is. Despite having like the craziest fucking looking eyeballs whenever he sees somebody. Oh yeah. He doesn't even say anything. He just stares at people when they enter his shop. This guy's not weird, they don't think. No, not not weird at all. Like it, <laughs> The funny thing is is like I mean, he's got the crazy eyes when he's killing people, obviously, but I think he's weirdest when just he's doing like just shit where he shouldn't be this weird. Like there's the scene where he's he's ready to like sacrifice the woman in the kitchen for the feast or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he gets caught as he has his giant knife above his head. Then he's just like, oh, shit. And then the cops show up. So he just runs out the backyard. He's just running through the backyard <laughs> looking like a total fucking weirdo. Like, it looks like this guy has never ran more than 10 feet in his entire life. He's just learning to accelerate past a walking pace for the very first time. It is. It's wonderful. That Absolutely ending. Fucking wonderful. That's some high camp right there where he gets to the dump and then he just chucks his fucking machete at no one. He's like... <laughs> He's like 300 feet away from everyone and he just throws the machete for no reason. And then, yeah. Yeah, yeah the ending. I mean, the iconic uh, Ninja Turtles uh, ending there. Casey Jones just mm-hmm. hits the, le- the lever and <laughs> fucking crushes his ass. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, and it's, the, the two cops are like, well, I guess that wraps that one up, Jack. Let's go back to the old <laughs> station. Like, what? <laughs> That's it? Okay, Sure. Don't they uh, Whatever also works come, for you guys. come across the crime scene where the the woman was whipped to death and they find her body and then they realize where Fuad's party is and they just leave the body behind at the crime scene? Oh, yeah. They don't, like, just, nobody yeah, comes it? to take care of it. <laughs> well, that's the thing, too, is who this detective is, is dating the daughter who is having this party. And he yeah. he figures it out. He's like, oh, yeah, Itar, Ishtar, ah, oh, Yahtzee. And then he doesn't call his girlfriend. He's like, nah. I'm sure they'll be fine. 
you know, he, he's planning She'll to attend this party in like an hour. He's like, eh, eh, we better just go over to Fuad's uh, store. You would think he would at least call uh, call his fucking lady friend there and be like, uh, you know, maybe cancel that party. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's probably oh, a coincidence. <laughs> uh, anyways, b- back to looking for more yeah. clues. <laughs> uh but yeah i mean I'd, I'd say if you are if if you have any passing interest in just like goofy campy old gore films this is a, a great way to start it's like a good gateway drug to stupid bullshit from this era um, yeah so i i mean i'd highly recommend it i think it's great shit yeah i would so. recommend it especially if you're a horror fan and you want to see like just the earliest instance of like gore in a mainstream american film uh, yeah, check this out because there's like there's like a tongue that gets pulled out. Uh, there's a, mm-hmm. there's an eye stab. There's some brains that get scooped out. It's uh, it's pretty bloody. Um, yeah, yeah, I had a good time. I highly recommend uh, finding a a good VHS rip. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you could do that. That's that's the proper way to watch Blood you. Feast. Yeah, I'd say so. Or actually, I, I'd like to see this. Like uh, down at the local art house theater because they do these things. Like they did it with uh, with Dario Argento's movies. They did it with Suspiria, and then they did it with uh, Deep Red, where they had like an orchestra play or whatever, and then they played the movie, and then and then the orchestra played the soundtrack. I, I want that, but I just wanted to be one guy with a timpani just while the movie is projected. <laughs> That's it. That's all I need. <laughs> Live musical accompaniment for Blood Feast, and then yeah, just just the. it's the best the best soundtrack what did they arrow should do a vinyl release of the soundtrack (laughs) it's just one seven inch single that's all you need (laughs) oh god all right well i i guess we should move on to our uh our next uh bloody thanksgiving film so uh yeah let's let's talk a little bit about blood rage shall we Looks like you're going to get a chance to meet the rest of the family. My psychotic brother just escaped. I just don't want to spoil things. Anybody else need more turkey? No, I'm pretty good, thanks. I don't like to talk about my brother. He gives me nightmares. This Thanksgiving. You know, somebody ought to tell him to get inside. Nobody should be out with my brother around. He looked exactly like Terry, except he had this really wild, crazed look in his eyes. That's right. It's Blood Rage. It's a, it's a slasher movie. That before it was called Blood Rage was just called Slasher, which is extremely appropriate because I think if you had like a like a bingo card with every slasher trope, this would cover the entire board easily. That's fair enough. Yeah, it, it's I, I can see why people really like this movie. And I, I think it's a, it's a great time. Like it's loads of fun. And Jesus, there's like 10,000 kills. So you, you don't ever have a chance to get too bored. But it is wild when you think of what an 80s slasher movie is, which is just like, oh, creative gory kills and teenagers who are punished for being sexy and, you know, a murderer, psycho, stalking people with a machete, like every single thing you can think of, it's all here. This is this is the checklist. This is the greatest hits. Uh, and, and it mostly works. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a little saggy in the middle for me, but uh, it is, it reminds me Much a ton like of- Much like myself. <laughs> It reminds me a ton of uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, honestly. Even though it certainly 
not quite as intense with its holiday theming, but just just the overall tone and and a lot of the kills and it's similarly just very generic and yet kind of better than the majority of slashers just because it's so fucking stupid and entirely focused on gore and the quality of the kills which are there the the, the gore is good shit yeah the, oh, yeah. the prosthetic really makeup work in this is like fucking remarkable uh it's it's really convincing and great looking mm-hmm. yeah it's uh the prosthetics are awesome and they also do something that i really enjoy too which is like okay if you're going to do good practical gore effects what do you need well you need loads of blood okay check that box helps if things are slimy when they can be okay we check that box and then i like it when shit twitches like when you add the animatronics in with the practical gore effects that really that's just beautiful and this this definitely has it there's a great scene where a guy He's like drinking a beer and he gets his hand chopped off. And then the next shot is just the hand on the ground with the beer can, just holding it and twitching at the same time. A classic old style. (laughs) Yeah. Classic old style beer. And also this tying everything together. One, it's a Thanksgiving movie, which you wouldn't really know except for there's a turkey in one scene and the mom's like, Oh, Thanksgiving. Like three different times. What do you mean? This is a big pumpkin pie Uh, scene. Uh, the big pumpkin they, pie scene. Well, it takes place on uh, Thanksgiving night. They all come around yeah. for uh, dinner, and then the killing starts. Yeah, exactly. So there's uh, there's that, and then the mom mentioning it. Um, but it, it's hard to tell because just like Blood Feast, this one was also shot in Florida, and it's got some real Florida-ness to it. Uh, the great city of Jacksonville, no less. Um, which And this is interesting because it's it actually calls out that it takes place in Jacksonville, in the in like the title sequence uh but that's yeah. they filmed it in jacksonville and it it's your standard like domestic paranoia type of slasher movie where you have this guy going around you know killing people he's not a, a faceless nameless killer but uh you know the characters in the movie aren't aware that he's the one doing it or whatever they they think that his brother his twin brother is the one doing the murdering when in fact he's the murderer oh and we're privy to that. But unlike other domestic slashers that are in the Halloween mold of things where it takes place in the suburbs and things are a little bit more spaced out, this takes place in this weird like apartment luxury condo complex. And I, I think it really works to its advantage because everything feels very compressed and claustrophobic even when they're outside. And also... Because if you've ever been in one of those sprawling, like, mega apartment complexes, like the one Myros and I lived in when we lived in California, it's basically like that, where even if you live there, everything looks the same, so it's easy to get disoriented and confused about where you are, you know, and this has that effect, and it really works well when you have a slasher where these characters are running around trying to get away from a killer, but at the same time, it's just like, wait, where the fuck are they? Like, you can't orient yourself so it yeah it works out really well it's smart let's say this woman uh louise lasser really does not understand the movie she's i feel like she seems to think she's like going for the oscar or something she plays the mother yeah yeah. it's just a big big performance for no reason (laughs) yeah (laughs) we should we should mention so yeah the setup it takes place in jacksonville the the prologue is 10 years in the past where the drive-in movie theater 
Uh, and then there's these twin brothers who sneak away from their car while their mother, Louise Lasser, and her date start making out. And they come across this uh, couple having sex. And one of the brothers, Terry, murders the guy and then gives the weapon to his brother, Todd, and smears him with blood and frames his own brother for the murder. And then so Todd is institutionalized for the next decade while Terry roams free. And then we learn that Todd has broken out and Terry basically uses this as an excuse to go on a murder spree so he can pin everything on Todd. And yes, meanwhile, mm. Louise Lasser, who's been unable to reach her son while he's in the institution, is just having this breakdown of a lifetime. Like she's sitting in front of the open fridge, devouring leftovers. It's, <laughs> it's, it's good just, shit. Yeah, such a it's big It's real like... Thing. Like Gina Rowan's like uh, woman under the influence type shit. Like it's I what just she thought Peter she was doing, to yes. show up. Mabel, get it together! Come on. Yeah, and, and in the climax, I'm like, "What are we doing here? <laughs> like, the Academy is not going to recognize you." She's just uh, giving this it's big I mean, fuck. They're like, they're both shrieking about uh, Todd for some reason. Todd himself and the mother are both just yelling like. I'm Todd or something. And then she just shoots herself in the head. I'm like, what? What What an ending for this fucking Z-grade dumbass slasher. But I, I don't entirely know if it works, but that's all right. I had a lot of fun with this. Uh, yeah, it, it really it's is. Just, it's it was, a fun ride, man. Yeah, it was at its best when it, it was not even trying to be any sort of psychological thriller at all. And it was just being a fucking, you know slasher murders teens having sex uh it was very good at being mm -hmm. slasher murders teens having sex and uh yeah it it probably had a little higher ambition than that but um no it it didn't yeah. uh rise above uh its peers in in plotting at least it, it does in many ways in in the the effects realm i'll say that yeah well that isn't cranberry sauce already that's a good line, Reed. <laughs> they find the bloody machete. Uh, the, the other thing I like about this movie is it, it has so many kills in it. Um, I mean, it opens with a pretty like brutal axe murdering scene. And then it, it, as soon as the actual like killing starts, uh, when the brother breaks out of uh, the mental institution and whatnot, uh, the, the kills come at an obscenely fast pace. So many people die in this movie. And it's not long. It's like less than 90 minutes. And I feel like 30 people die. But it's fun the way that they, they just try to introduce new characters into the movie just so they can be like machete fodder. And one of my favorite is there's, there's this guy and there's... Okay, so there's a woman who is babysitting for another woman, like a single mother with a child. And that yeah. single mother with a child, she she went out on a date, and she went on a date with fucking Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> this guy <laughs> looks exactly like Mayor Pete. <laughs> the entire time, he's just like, oh, oh, wow, geez, oh, don't, please, uh, don't kiss me. Uh, uh, uh. And it, it's just, it's, it's incredible shit. And the visual, because he looks, he looks just like him, and then this, like, meekish, wiener, smart boy behavior... It's it's beautiful stuff. So you get you get like lines like this when he discovers some some coconut liqueur on the table. Wow, coconut liqueur. I never had a coconut liqueur. What do you do? You take it straight or on the rocks? Huh? 
Yeah, that's good. That's what he says to you at a cocktail party right before he uh, reveals his means-tested uh, healthcare program for people that start small businesses in uh, you know economically disadvantaged areas and and keep the business open for five years. What is so, what the fuck? Great is, stuff. Is this all the Florida stuff? Because I noticed another point in the movie where they like it did like a rag focus on a drink tray for no reason, and the, and the fancy bottle was creme de banana. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? Yeah. That's what you do when you live in Jacksonville, man. You just you go to the liquor store and, and you find the dustiest bottom on the or the dustiest bottle on the bottom shelf and say, you know what? That'll do. Kind of have a do. real tropical flair to everything. Dude, all that shitty. Well, I mean, like all the creme days, like you can use those in, in like mixed drinks and shots and stuff, but like you know, when you go to the liquor store and you're like, who the fuck buys a bottle of 99 bananas or something like that? And the answer is like Teenagers? college yeah. kids and yeah, teenagers, people that live in Florida. Well, that's it. You're either 22 or younger, or you live in Florida, or both. That's that's all there is to it. So, and then and then you you apparently have a tray that you keep on your coffee table that has all your booze on it. Because that, that was the same thing. Because with the uh, was it, who was it? Was it the other babysitter or something? She had like a a carafe of I don't even fucking know what kind of juice, and then like a bottle of like tomato juice. Or something. It was tomato juice. Tomato juice. Yeah, because she said uh, you can either have uh, oh, that's right tomato juice and vodka or vodka and tomato juice. Yeah, and the killer just takes the tomato juice because he doesn't drink. Doesn't drink. No, that yeah. stuff will kill you. <laughs> it's kind of odd. And he does, does smoke pot. Hmm. Mm -hmm. He did. He did hit a take a hit of the old joint there. So, uh, yeah, not not really playing it completely straight. I don't know how you can kill 30 people and be high at the same time. I think you start to get a little paranoid. But what do I know? Uh, but yeah, anyways, Blood Rage is it's just fucking good, man. Like it, if you really want just a cheap prototypical slasher, fun kills, good effects, goofy music, fast paced for the most part. Yeah. It's great. You know, it, it doesn't do anything exceptional. It doesn't do anything that where you're like, oh, this is like groundbreaking shit. This has completely changed my perception of the slasher genre. Absolutely not. Fuck no. No, no. But it's just, it's solid and it's fun. It's it's what I want out of a slasher generally. I mean, a lot of people take slashers more seriously than I do, but I, I'm not like some yeah, huge not. fan <laughs> of the genre. Generally, the American slashers can get awfully boring in my opinion, but... This this falls yeah. right into that sweet spot for me. Like I said, it does remind me a lot of Silent Night, Deadly Night, which is similarly just very economical, very dumb, and very well made for what it is. And it also does yeah, kind of yeah. remind me of something like Friday the 13th Part 4, too, which is, is another of those standouts for me. I like my slashers dumb and bloody, and, and this delivers on that front. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, got, for it's sure. in that era of like nice 80s grain, too. Where everything is just nice and lit, but you can just kind of feel the texture of it all in the, in the nighttime yeah. scenes. It's, it's great. Did you guys? Uh, did you guys notice uh, Ted Raimi as the the nerd <laughs> selling condoms in, in the trench coat in the bathroom in the opening scene? So a very young Ted Raimi. He had to be like a, a absolute fucking baby at that point, right? Yeah, his first role, I believe. Oh wow! What know. was he doing in Florida? No idea. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Shouldn't he? Shouldn't he be in Michigan at this point? What is he doing? Scouting, yeah, scouting forests for cabins. I, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, that was weird seeing him. Well, because I every time I think of Ted Raimi, he looks like he's sixty. Like even when he was in his twenties, he looked like he was sixty to me. So, uh, yeah, it was it was kind of weird seeing him. But 
That is a good good little Easter egg for the uh, the horror fans out there. So, any anything else you guys want to say about this one? I mean, did we mention that the uh, the well, the killer and the brother are played by the same guy in a in a pretty good dual oh, yeah. performance? Twin acting is solid. I would, yeah. which is it, it usually doesn't go over well, and especially in a movie with a budget of what I would imagine is about ten thousand uh, dollars. Yeah, he he does a great job, and and not only it is acting though the way that he plays the different brothers, but even in the physicality. The, the look, everything about it, like yeah. he's able to make them like, oh, these are twins, but they're distinctly different. It's actually kind of impressive. Yeah. I was not expecting. Yeah, I think it did kind of put them in a bit of a bind with the climax. Uh, it, it played out very strangely. And, you know, they had to like jump in the yeah. pool so that they could have they, they got somewhat creative with how they handled the body double stuff. But it, it limited them. Uh, we'll say that. The, the, so the bad way is hilarious. Double. The ba- yeah, the back of the head doubles are not great, but uh, I was convinced it was two different actors up basically up until the pool climax, and then I realized, oh, is this mm-hmm. the same guy? And yeah, yeah. it's th- it's that convincing. Yeah, yeah, it really is. No, I I did the exact same thing. I thought it was two different guys, but then there's that part where you can see in the pool. Well, one, the wig is terrible, and two, you can see the guy like struggling to maneuver his body and not drown himself but also not reveal his face to the camera right so yeah that's where you're like okay illusion has been shattered but that's literally the last like three minutes of the movie so uh, good job kudos right yeah i think that the twin element is probably not uh, again if you're looking for something beyond dumb fun with this then maybe look elsewhere because even something like silent night deadly night does a better job of motivating its killer and uh yeah this you you feel like there there's got there's meant to be some sort of reasoning behind uh, the actions in that prologue but it's really not it's just mm-hmm. like uh, his mother's having sex and they're like oh she's at it again and then he just fucking hatchets some guy to death. <laughs> and uh yeah so there's no like traumatic element or anything like that and the twin aspect of the film while it does lend some interest really doesn't amount to anything in the end you're kind of like ah, yeah well, are they gonna pin it on this other guy he's gonna get killed on accident it's like no no not really he could have just kind of not been in the movie he doesn't really play any major role <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah for sure all right boys you ready to move on to our final movie oh i sure am good because i don't really give a shit what you think anyway so the blood diner first they greet you then they eat you no one under 17 admitted that's actually all i have for the blood diner trailer (laughs) and the reason is the reason is all of these movies have interesting trailers to a degree well the blood rage is kind of traditional but the blood feast one obviously it's the smoking man talking and scolding you for watching the movie and blood diner is it's like a little like mini side thing that they use to promote the movie. So it's like a food critic or and he's like in a fancy restaurant. He's like, hi, my name is Phil Mignon and I'm here <laughs> to tell you about Blood Diner. And it's this whole, I, I don't know. You just got to go watch. It's on YouTube. Check it out. It It doesn't work so well when you're trying to use it as the trailer for a stupid podcast, but it's, it's good shit. It's good shit. Go watch that. 
Um, Blood Diner. I watched this probably, uh, God, I don't even know, like 15 years ago at this point, and I hadn't watched it since then. And I am so happy that we revisited this because, Myros, as you alluded to earlier, this is the definition of a Steve Cuff movie right here. This is 100% my shit. This movie fucking rules. <laughs> yeah. Never heard of this before we discussed this episode. This movie, like, blew my fucking mind. I think I wrote more notes down for this than any other movie I've watched for any of our podcasts, including Bond. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> It really is like it's it's something special. It's um, first of all, it's it's directed by a woman, which you would not guess <laughs> from how this thing plays out. I was yes, uh, uh, I was ready to write it off as some misogynistic <laughs> '80s guy fantasy. No, this is a woman's nope. work. This is, this is Jackie Kong's fantasy. She uh, she's actually she's married to a guy he or was married. I don't know if they're married anymore. She was married to. Uh, kind of a famous movie producer. I forget what his name was, but that's kind of how she got in her foot in the door. And she started directing when she was in her early 20s. And I want to say Blood Diner is like her second movie, maybe. Uh, but she was only like 30 years old or so when she directed this. Um, and it's wow. a really like mature, well, I mean, not mature. It's It's got dopey and <laughs> mature humor. But the way it's made, you would think it was made by someone who had made at least a dozen movies before. It's really, really tightly shot and briskly paced, and it's super fucking fun. It knows exactly what it is. It is hilariously gory. And for my money, I'd say it's the best balance of physical comedy and just gory horror, this side of like the Evil Dead series. So anyone not named Sam Raimi that's making this kind of movie, like this is the the high watermark. It's just fucking great um and it, it's it's in the details for me just like the little things there's a couple of great bits uh, where they really really play up the campiness so there's one scene where the guys are they're, they're trying to break into a club or get into a club so they can kidnap oh some God. girls because yes like blood feast this is a movie about a couple of guys who are trying to bring back an Egyptian goddess by sacrificing a bunch of women and then resurrecting her with the help of their dead uncle, who's now a brain with eyeballs in a jar taunting them. Who is not we'll named Fuad Ramses, but is basically Fuad Ramses, right? That's, that's the uncle. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uncle mm -hmm. Anwar. That's the uncle. Yeah. Uncle Anwar, yeah. So... He, yeah, because this is like a kind of, but not a sequel to, we'll, we'll get into more of this. But anyways, this scene, they're walking into this club and the bouncer's like, oh, you can't get in, man. He's like, oh no, we're on the list. He's like, no, sorry, dude. And so one of the brothers grabs the bouncer and just kind of, you know, grabs him by his, his jacket and just kind of throws him back. And the bouncer just kind of stumbles and falls <laughs> into the street. And then... <laughs> There's like a lowrider car like bouncing down the street, like just honking its horns, like do 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 do, and it just the wheel just kook right on the guy's head, and the other bouncer's just like, "Hey man, you okay?" And then the guy's just walking. <laughs> well, he and first the first he's first to the other bouncer goes. He says to the two brothers who basically just killed a guy. They say, "All right, have a good time in the club." And then he says, "Hey Jason, are you okay?" He just totally deadpans yeah. the line. Deadpan. After, and, oh. and that's thing it's like the delivery but the timing and the editing on this shit 
It's so tight. It's like perfect, perfect comedic timing. That's a whole and fucking club, man. A, what is that club? It's like a punk. Yeah. It's like a CD punk rock club. And then they're dressed like fucking Elvis or something. And they go in and like the fucking four tops are playing on the stage or something. It's, just, <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing. And they're like, hey, you want to be cool? Just good. stand in the corner and snap your fingers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, it's, uh, it's so good. So Jay, the, let's back up a little bit here. Oh God! Jake, yes. W- what exactly? G- give me the, the the elevator pitch. What the fuck is this movie? What is Blood Diner? Uh, originally a I guess a sequel to Blood Feast, but then they just it mm-hmm. kind of got it kind of lost its way, and they just went, "Nah, fuck it. We're just gonna remake Blood Feast again." This is like one of the rare remakes that trumps every single thing about the original, and it it works. It's yeah, it's these two brothers who their crazy uncle gives them these five million year old amulets and tells them to do the uh, the ritual of Sheetar after his uncle is killed. So they exhume his body and then put the brain in the jar, like you said. And yeah, it's mm-hmm. them going on a murder spree, collecting body parts so they can uh, resurrect the Egyptian goddess of Sheetar. And there's a trio of cops after them as well. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, this movie won me over at the scene where there's this nude aerobicizing class happening. <laughs> and in the middle of the class, a guy with a Ronald Reagan mask busts in and machine guns everyone to death. It's so amazing. <laughs> and then starts completely unexpected. Yeah, completely no, unexpected. Me and starts, that fucking open where yeah. it just like takes because in uh, Blood Feast is a radio segment in the first kill where the guy comes on and is like, we encourage all women to stay indoors. And and this movie just takes that exact broadcast, essentially, and they're like, and this man is loose with his genitals in his hands. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. I wrote this down. He's, okay, he's got a meat cleaver in one hand and his genitals in the other. Stay inside. <laughs> God damn it. It's good uh, stuff. It's maybe, good stuff. yeah, it did. All then, right, so it did have me earlier, but the, the Reagan scene certified it as a classic for me. Like, I... <laughs> I was there was no turning back at that point. Yeah, it it really is like just moment to moment, all the little yeah. decisions they make. It's just like it's it's perfect. Even in that beginning too, like after the police thing, and they and they switch to the the kids inside of the house, and then Uncle Amar instead of any normal movie, <laughs> the uncle would have just like opened the door, like ran in from the back. But no, he literally like bursts through. The fucking front door like the Kool-Aid man. He just shatters it. Just goes like straight through it. <laughs> and the and the kids are excited to see him. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, Uncle Admar. Great. You're here. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. It's 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 really good stuff. Um But yeah, just God, start to finish. It's super, super weird and just endlessly hilarious like every single joke in this pretty much hits even the the real like stupid gross out shit like there's this vegetarian guy this big fat guy with a beard who i thought was a food critic yeah his name is vitamin c (laughs) but you can call him vitamin and horatio titus i yeah yeah his name my name is horatio titus but people call me vitamin c you can call me vitamin (laughs) that's the line okay (laughs) And I, you think he's going to be like a food critic or something, but he's just a fat guy who goes to this diner, which is a they, they run a vegetarian focused diner. 
but then they put like human parts in and that's why the vegetarian food tastes good because it's actually meat but anyways the uh the one brother who's like this lunkhead professional wrestler guy <laughs> he hates yeah. he hates vitamin c absolutely hates him for one reason or another uh i think he gets mad because vitamin c calls professional wrestling and i quote homo stuff and uh the brother does not take to that kindly but there's this one scene like halfway through the movie where vitamin c is just like burr, 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 burr. he's just talking about nothing and then all of a sudden the brother just like reaches over and puts him in like a chokehold and then vitamin c starts spewing vomit just around the room <laughs> And it's this total aside while, like, actual plot is just happening elsewhere. But it's like that scene from uh, Monty Python and the Meaning of Life where the guy is just like, give me a bucket. And then he's, you know, he barfs in the butt. It's that, but it's just all over the fucking place. Yeah, this, <laughs> it's not like, uh, yeah, it's not like they're playing at this vegetarian thing subversively at all. Either. It's just like, uh, he'll just like fucking lop off some guy's fingers and throw him in a deep fryer and serve it up as like yeah. vegetarian special. <laughs> it's like the dumbest bullshit. Sad. This, I, I don't even try. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even gonna disagree with you on Jackie Kong like having a steady hand with this, but it it still has this like super amateur feel to it in like the best possible way. Like there are no, yeah. there's really no big professional actors in this thing almost everyone is a one-off and the the big three mm -hmm. uh people in it they just they're not actors they don't act again which is or they'll just have very minor roles going forward but the performances in this it's not like they read like great professional acting but they fucking work so well for what they are like the guy who plays georgie jesus christ he's fucking amazing yeah the oh, so good yeah a highlight with, with me, first of all, we should say he's a wrestler and he's got this match and his opponent is named is Jimmy Hitler is the guy he's <laughs> going up against. It's a guy dressed like Hitler. <laughs> but there's this like amazing scene where he's just driving along in his van and uh, I think he's like going to collect like the brains or something for the stew. And he sees this, there's this biker, like we hear about this biker gang called the, the cannibals uh, who are kind of like a red herring throughout the film. And he sees this biker guy on the side of the road with like a broken down motorcycle. And so Georgie runs him over and he's got like this, this just goofy nonchalant look on his face as he does it. But then he looks in the rearview mirror and sees the biker is still alive. So he backs the van up, hits him again. He's still alive. And then he, this goes on for several minutes where he runs him over. And then later on, the police say that they found the body and they say the guy died of a heart attack. Yeah, he's like, he's listening to this fucking mambo the whole time and just like dancing around. The mambo. Yeah. I'm like, it's just, his performance is fucking incredible. He reminds me of like Tim Heidecker or something. Yeah. Well, you know what he is? He's, uh, he's Tim Heidecker in Us, like, but the evil Tim Heidecker. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, once Tim Heidecker turns into a, a murdering psychopath, the evil the tether, underground yeah. Tim Heidecker. That's who it is. That's that's who this guy is. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, he's fucking great. This I I don't even know what I'd compare it to. Maybe something like Return of the Living Dead. Like it it feels again. I could cite John Waters again. I I mean, obviously someone who was probably inspired yeah. by uh, these are two divergent inspir uh, people inspired by uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis movies, frankly. But um, mm -hmm. really 
it's got such punk rock energy. I think it's like the forgotten punk rock horror movie of the eighties, honestly. And that's a shame because it's, it's fucking great. Yeah. It it really like, it should, I I think part of it too is Jackie Kong is she's like we said, she's super talented here. And I really wish she would have made more horror films. And I think she may have made like one other horror movie, but she mostly made, I think her first um, movie was a horror movie. Teen sex comedies. Yeah, I, which I haven't seen, so I, I can't speak to the quality of that. But she made like some goofy like police academy knockoff movie, and uh, a, like a couple other teen sex comedy things. But I, I really would have liked to see what else she could do with horror. But she clearly has a knack for comedic timing, and yeah, I, I struggle to compare this to anything directly. I I think you're you're kind of on the mark there with with the John Waters and obviously the Herschel Gordon Lewis stuff. But uh, I don't know. Is some Frank some, Henenlotter maybe Frank Henenlotter? That's that's all I that's, got. Yeah, yeah. Frank and Hooker it, definitely is definitely a, reminiscent for sure. It reminds me a lot of Frank and Hooker. And there's just this kind of there's yeah. also like a, a trauma vibe too, but it's it's a lot more palatable than that. Despite the yeah, the this bevy is a lot smarter. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And and trauma. The other thing with trauma is there's no subtlety in what trauma does, where. This everything feels very natural where it feels like trauma is like grabbing you by the shoulders and screaming things at you all the time. And this I mean, it's goofy and it's over the top, but it it just all feels really like natural. And I I don't know. It's different. It's different. Oh, I wanted to talk like real quick. The other like really inspired direct fucking thing from Blood Feast. I was just dying, man, because there's this uh kill in blood feast on the beach and then it just like cuts the detectives uh fucking talking to the boyfriend who got knocked out by fuad and he's like the worst actor on earth he's just like oh my gosh she's dead and i couldn't do anything to stop it ah. and bloodliner <laughs> has the exact same scene in it for no reason out of the blue it's just this fucking punk guy just doing that exact thing where he's like ah. <laughs> I'm like, fuck yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah. This movie rules. It really is good. Well, and then the the twist they put on there is this is right after the Mambo <laughs> biker van runover scene. But they basically recreate that beach scene. But this time, instead of the, the guy getting knocked out and then the woman getting stabbed to death or whatever, he the guy gets knocked out and then you go, okay, so she's going to get stabbed. And then all of a sudden she just beats the shit out of this guy. Who's been like the heavy, the entire time, just this big intimidating (laughs) wrestler. She just totally beats the shit out of him. Literally like grabs him by the balls. You think she's going to like rip his dick off. It's awesome. And then she ends up dying anyways, because a stalactite falls off of a (laughs) beach cave and impales her head. (laughs) So it's so great because I don't know. You, you know, you have this moment. You're like, yeah, get him. And then <laughs> just totally just nope, throws it out. Stalagmite through the head. It's really great shit. It's it's so funny. And it's stuff like that where it's just it, it's completely unexpected, not a left field. And God, this it's so fucking Yeah. And there's like a side it's plot so where good. a competing vegetarian restaurant whose only patron is oh, a God. fucking like marionette. <laughs> it's like trying to commit espionage. And <laughs> it's not even a marionette. <laughs> it's just like. It's like, what is that thing? It's like, it's, it's, there's no strings on it. It's no, like it's a, a weird a, mannequin doll. Yeah. That he like speaks for like a, as a ventriloquist. He has conversations with it. It's so, <laughs> yeah. Bizarre. 
the, but they never address it. They never address it. They just treat it like it's just a normal thing, like it's a person. <laughs> it's so there's, weird. It's another really uh, inspired kill. So they, they pick up one of the ingredients that they have to get. They have to get the stomachs of two trashy women. So they pick up two women from the club that they get into. And they bring them back. And one of the brothers says, hey, you want to play the battered girlfriend? <laughs> and this involves... <laughs> Covering her in baking in batter and then ramming her head into the deep fryer. And then when her head emerges, she's got this like oversized basketball fried head that he then knocks off her body. And that's about the less slapstick of those two kills because the other woman who's with Georgie just like fucking finds out that he's a murderer and like screams and leaves and then re-enters because she forgot her purse and then dumps the contents of her purse all over the back and just like stands around waiting until they come and kill her it's just the whole thing is just it split her in half down the yeah, middle yeah yeah, yeah. Oh. it's it's the whole thing it's just oh man it's beautiful and we didn't even talk about the climax really yet, good which stuff. Is, that whole scene fucking rules yeah it is it's it's like uh, i don't i don't even know how to explain it 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 kind of reminded me of the end of society in a way where it's just like this super gory weirdo climax that you don't expect or see coming in any way, shape or form. Um, but basically you're led to believe that the cops have, have figured things out. And just like in the original blood feast, they're going to kind of, you know, put the kibosh on this and, and stop the guys from resurrecting Sheetar and, and all this stuff. But it's like, nope, nope. Sheetar is, uh, she's, she's coming alive and there's this entire club of people that are being fed like appetite pills that the club owners <laughs> are telling them are like drugs or something. And even the club owners, like one guy just is dressed like Mr. Fucking Miyagi and I, I don't know, they're, they're like throwing these drugs down people's throats. Then they're eating the, the giant like Sheetar stew in the middle of the room from the Egyptian feast and then Sheetar is coming alive. And while all this is happening, keep in mind, it, previously when we've seen this club, there's been, like you said, like the fucking four cops or something playing in the punk club. But this time it's like a, a guy with a giant pompadour that looks like the, the mascot for the cramps, like the cramps logo yeah. or something. And he's singing. And then in the background, there's like a, it looks like a full ska band and they're all dressed like Hitler. <laughs> and then there's like a, a woman in a cow suit. And the guy is pretending to like cut the woman in the cow suit in half to like split the cow. I don't even know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. It's, I don't even know. It's this crazed, uh, like sort of like overload. fucking psycho Billy uh, nonsense. Like this guy's name is Dino Lee. And I, I went and looked him up because I'm like, this song fucking rules. I want to get this. Does this guy have an album or something? It's like, no, he like doesn't exist. But I mean, uh, that's a shame because this this uh, stud pony song that's playing throughout this climax fucking rules. It's so awesome. And it, it's just, again, ridiculous. And it goes on and on and on. They're, they're almost like looping this song and this fucking performance art madness. Yeah. It's it, well, oh, it's it's oh. not as good as this. <laughs> that's called music baby Herschel Gordon Lewis original it's hard to look up Dino All Leaks right. apparently it's like some K-pop star or something who's like 17 years old oh, his name no. Dino Lee and he doesn't exist on all music or anything I think he did have an album called or at least an EP or something called The King of White Trash which is what he's billed as in this movie 
But yeah, I, he's not even like findable. So good luck getting said uh, EP. But uh, I, I'd go in for it, man. This this is uh, awesome. Oh. It's awesome. Keep an eye on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this this is really great. I mean, if you're going to you're not going to be around your family. Let's, I mean, maybe you are cause you're a piece of shit, but, uh, you're probably going to be sitting home alone, making the fucking Turkey breast for yourself. Like a sad sack piece of shit. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to watch planes, trains, and automobiles for the 5,000th time in your life. No, no. You're going to watch one Thanksgiving movie that really isn't a Thanksgiving movie, but we're saying it is Well, diner. Man. Oh, you, this is the one, you know what else this kind of reminds me of, I guess in tone. And, and one more reason why it made me think of you, uh, is it kind of reminds me of something like the greasy strangler in a lot of ways. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. It's definitely got that going for it. This is, this is very like, I, I think not only me, but I think if you were to boil down, like what's, what's the primary interest of optimism vaccine? Like I, I think a lot of that is, is really injected into this film. So if you're a new listener and you're like, what, what are these guys all about? Just watch this movie. This is this is the shit right here. This is what we live for. <laughs> it's pure stuff, man. This is the kind of stuff. Oh, God. I wish we could have made Sean or Jack watch this one. I just want to share this with people. Jack would love this. But uh, I mean, it's a shame he couldn't yeah, get his yeah. wife oh, going. This, Jack would love this. Yeah. Nice going, Jack. Come on. Why don't you force your <laughs> wife to watch this while she's trying to make you money? <laughs> Uh, this I is my it. new annual watch now for Thanksgiving. This is Blood Diner. Yeah, this is it's good shit. I'm trying to think like we should have had a guest on. I, like, who's the most respectable person who would talk to us that we could make watch this? <laughs> <laughs> this would have been funny. Matt Neglia. Uh, oh, Neglia. Do you think Neglia would go on the show? We should get him for for end of the year. Well, <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do a we show called yeah. What's next the best next picture. best picture with Matt Neglia? And we'll be like, what is it, man? Come on, just give us a hint. How do you think we could? Oh, he would not. Do you think he'd do it? No. I, mean, I, mean, I know he would do all it. of you idiots on Twitter. Would, <laughs> no, he hasn't blocked me yet. No, he follows Even me. Even every time he, every time he talks about a movie, I'm, I, I always like tweet back. I'm like, is this the next best picture? He never, he never fucking answers. <laughs> Come on, Matt. I, I think he would do it, especially if he follows you on Twitter, Jake. Like that's our in. Be like, hey, mutual. Yeah. Come on, man. But what I'm saying is like, if we got him on the show. When, like, how long would it take before he realized that, like, we don't yeah. have the purest That's intentions? That's what's going to happen. He's going to jump out of the call halfway through, if that. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if we can. This is, this is bad news. This is, yeah. I, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to keep a straight face. <laughs> also, I don't even know, like, what would I say is, is the best picture of 2020? I haven't seen pretty much anything. Unhinged, like what, clearly. Uh, fuck, I don't know. Unhinged. Unhinged, yeah. Yeah. See that, and that I think that would be the that would be the real test is he would be like, oh, the the it's this movie, it's the Mank, and we're like, what did you see Unhinged? <laughs> and all three of us talk about Unhinged. This is good. We're workshopping the podcast a little behind the scenes for you, there, dear listeners. All right, guys. Anything else you want to say about this before we wrap things up? Um, it fucking rules. Seek it out any way you can. Yeah. I think it's it's streaming Just on it, uh, Hulu or uh, the the Roku channel. It's free with ads. Mm -hmm. Check it out. I don't. Th yeah, I tried Hulu. I think it's actually off Hulu currently. I think you do have to do the Roku, but you I'm don't even right. have to have an account for the Roku. So that's all right. Just do it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I would say, um, yeah, watch it. It's streaming. If, if you can't get it streaming for one reason or another, or you actually you should probably just buy it. But I think the Vestron Blu-ray is like 30 bucks, which is kind of bullshit. So I don't yeah. know. 
Go rob a Walmart. Fuck them. Just fucking email us <laughs> at optimismvaccine at gmail.com. We'll get you a copy of uh, Blood Diner. We'll get you. We do public we services here. You. Don't worry about it. Yeah. That's right. That's right, baby. All right. So uh, if you enjoyed the podcast today, do us a big favor. There's a description of this podcast you're listening to. And in that description, there's a couple of links. First link will take you to our iTunes page. If you have not had the chance to rate and review this podcast, just please fucking do it, please, for the love of God. Uh, all you got to do, it takes like two seconds. You click the link. It'll take you to the iTunes page. Uh, give us five stars and then do a quick written review. You can just be like, yeah, uh, I don't know. Blood Diner slaps. Uh, Adam Myros is a piece of shit. Just write that. The written reviews with the five stars, this somehow factors into the nebulous Apple algorithm. It, it helps us, basically. It makes us more visible. More visible we are, then the more stuff that we can do for you. And dear listeners, I appreciate you. We we see you out there. You're you're boosting us up. Um we've been we've been cracking into uh some some pretty good numbers on the old iTunes charts. So I think uh what we were like 190 for movie prod podcasts in America, which is pretty solid. I think we've cracked like top 80 for uh England. Shout out to Alistair Ryder for uh boosting up our numbers in England. Oh, yeah. And Oh, oh, best is like we're like top five movie podcasts in Israel. So Shabbat Shalom and all that, man. Like, uh, you know, we're, we're doing good in Israel, which I did not expect. <laughs> so good. Good on us. Yeah. India, too. I think we have a, a larger audience in India than we do in America. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <clears throat> it's because people say you look like Modi, man. That's why. <laughs> people are saying this. Oh. Uh, anyways. Yeah. So thank you for for listening but yeah do us a huge favor just give us five star written review super super helpful for us uh because yeah at itunes is uh how these podcasts live and die so we need to be successful there also if you are feeling particularly generous and the current pandemic has not ravaged your bank account uh or you know ruined your life you can click the other link in our description and that will take you to our patreon page and you can throw us a couple bucks, and that would be super helpful because podcasts are expensive, hosting costs money, microphones cost money, all this shit costs money, man. Nothing in life's fucking free. Come on. So, yeah, if you throw us a couple bucks, that gives you access to a whole backlog of old exclusive content, written content, podcasts, all kinds of stuff. Uh, Myros and Sean are actually working on a new Patreon-exclusive series where they're going to look at some uh, some Blumhouse, what is it, the the Beyond the Dark, what's it called? Into Help me the out Dark. Here, Into the Dark. Into the dark. Yeah, whatever. Beyond the darkness. Joe, Joe Namati. Just watch that every week for three years. Uh, no. Okay. So into the dark Blumhouse series, exclusive content. It's coming your way. So that would be great. Just throw them a couple dollars. It's very simple. Other than that, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, you could find us on Twitter at optimism vaccine, or you can email us. You want to, you want a copy of blood diner? We got, uh, we got copies of blood diner, you know, make your dreams come true. Optimismvaccine at gmail.com is the place to do that. Uh, so, yeah, shoot us an email. Adam Myros is sitting by hitting refresh on the inbox. Other than that, Jake, last word's yours. Hey, Steve. We, we, we probably ought to mention our patrons who, who generously pay to be mentioned on the podcast, uh, Dustin and Paula. And we should probably also honor our, our fine patron Paula's uh, wish that we put things over on a weekly basis. And uh, and uh, install that segment into this particular episode. You know, uh, patrons, I have your back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I almost forgot. I'm a. I'm yeah. I I like to step all over the people that that fund our <laughs> our, our hobby here. So 
just like to like to put my my boot on your neck. That's what I do. All right. So Jake, like like directing Blood Feast. (laughs) Like directing Blood Feast, exactly. I've only been doing this for six years. What do I know? (laughs) Uh, Jake, what are you putting over this week? All right, I'm gonna put over. uh, I'm gonna put over three things. One, uh, I'm gonna put over Blood Diner. Uh, If you want to know why, listen back to the prior 20 minutes of this episode 25 30 minutes uh it's pretty good um then i'm gonna put over a a latvian horror movie called spider uh i recently picked this up with the uh the mondo macabro sale um and it's a very very good movie about uh a young woman who has been hired to model for the uh for their her catholic school sistine chapel and the painter turns out to be a spider who wants to like uh, rape and eat her, and it's uh, it's a very very gorgeous, very crazy movie. Uh, and then just to sort of uh, like kind of pass the time when I'm not really in the mood to watch a movie or I don't have time to put on something that's 90 minutes, uh, I've been watching a lot of uh, Kitchen Nightmares episodes on YouTube, and uh, it's yeah a series where Gordon Ramsay comes and visits a, a down on its luck restaurant to try to turn it around. Um, and I would just recommend, uh, everybody revisit the Amy's Baking Company episode, which is probably the pinnacle of reality television. Um, classic. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's a classic. If you haven't, if you somehow have not seen that, check it out. So yeah. That's he all. acts like he's never had aioli on a sandwich before. It's <laughs> garlic aioli. <laughs> that is absolutely the one. Burned into my brain. Burned you know, into my I, brain. Sorry, virus. What were you saying? Oh, I was. I think we're on the same page. I just asked if it was the one where he uh, he just refused to help them and left. Um, yeah. No. That's the one. Yeah. No. I I would rec- like recommend on the kitchen nightmares front. I I really loved the UK version of that show before it got to be an insane American abomination. Like Gordon Ramsay comes off as like a human being, and it's just uh, it's awesome. I mean, the yeah. American version yeah. is awesome in its own way as well, but. Yeah, both a little, have little their different in the American version. <laughs> uh, Myros, what are you putting over? You know, I I did this to myself because I'm never really prepared for the putovers. But you know, I've been uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been killing time by watching uh, an inexplicable thing, uh, Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated, uh, which is this show from about <laughs> a decade ago that kind of predates like. Uh, your gravity falls and 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 when cartoons decided they also needed to have like running narratives for some reason which is very strange in a scooby-doo show uh and the the narrative ends up in uh, like folding in all this fucking like art bell madness with like zachariah cinchin and the fucking hollow earth and the nibiru and the anunnaki and i'm like what what the fuck am i watching (laughs) uh but yeah, it, it's on Netflix. You know, it's it's pretty fun, and it's kind of a a forebearer for a lot of uh, what cartoons have done in the last five years or so. So yeah, why not check it out? Watch some Scooby Doo, you idiots! All right, I'm gonna put over something that's uh, it's not actually out yet, but it's gonna be out by the time this podcast is released. So this is dropping on Thanksgiving Day. You're welcome. Something for you to be thankful for. And on Black Friday, Vinegar Syndrome is putting out, finally, finally, the thing I've been begging for for what feels like a fucking decade. But Action USA is finally coming to Blu-ray in a limited edition form, and it's uh, it's dropping Vinegar Syndrome on Black Friday. Action USA, I think I've put it over on this show before, but if you haven't seen it, 
and chances are you probably haven't because I think it only exists on VHS at this point. It's um, it, it like the title says, it's kind of a sleazy '80s action movie, but it was made entirely by stunt people. So as you can imagine, because it's like written, directed, and acted by these these stunt men and women, it's just nonstop like explosions, people jumping out of buildings. It's it's fucking crazy. And there's no there's no CGI to be had here. It's all practical shit. Uh, there's numerous points in the movie where like I think that guy is seriously injured. It's great stuff. Super super fun movie. Um, really just campy action. Uh, about as good as that stuff gets. So that sounds like something that's your cup of tea, and it fucking should be. Check that out. Action USA. Drop it on Black Friday. Uh, but yeah, I think that actually wraps things up now. So, Jake, final word is yours. Sheeta. That isn't cranberry sauce, Artie. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. 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 Stop.